Hey, everybody. This is What's It Like podcast with Stacy and Emily. I'm Stacy, And I'm Emily. Thanks a ton for joining us for another episode of What's It Like. Today, we have a super fun interview. What's it like to be a foster parent? And we have two of our super good friends that joined us for our conversation. Uh, Hannah and Lindsay are sister-in-laws. They might tell this in the story, but Hannah is uh, brothers to Lindsay's husband. They say that awkwardly, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, Lindsay's husband is Hannah's brother. There we go. <laughs> I promise the interview is better than that part. Um, they are super awesome sister-in-laws that are just gave us a really dynamic interview. They got into foster care because they just wanted to help our community. And it's awesome the way that they've sac- sacrificially given of their home and their lives and their families, really. They share some raw stories, some really good ones, and some really hard uh, rough ones actually. And I think that they were super honest with us. We yeah. had a great time. The hour went super fast. It was really fun to talk to them. I have a personal story with Hannah. Um, I think I'd mentioned on one of the other podcasts that I have a, an adopted child from Haiti and it was maybe eight to nine months after Oli had come home with us. And I ran into Hannah in a target parking lot at nighttime. And I, started chatting with her. She was about to head on a vacation. She was so excited. She asked how I was doing and how things were going with Oli. And I just kind of broke down Mm -hmm. and I shared with her that I was just struggling. I was struggling with the fact that I, I had a lot of empathy for Oli and I cared a lot for him, but I didn't feel like I loved him as much at that point as I should have. And that that feeling wasn't there immediately. And had you shared that with a lot of people? Just starting to, because yeah. it was really something that I'd kind of gutted out for a while. Sure, um, that's like a horrible thing to feel like you should share with someone. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I love my son. I just paid a lot of money and took a lot of time to make happen. Well, yeah, and we'd read a bunch of adoption stories kind of warning us of the fact that they're not going to come home and you'll immediately have this yeah, blooming love for them. Um but I just, I think I still thought that was going to happen. And I kept comparing my feelings for him to the feelings I have for our biological children. And talking with Hannah, she just really, she just was honest. And she said, sometimes it's different. Sometimes it's always going to be different. Hannah has both biological, adopted, and foster kids, as does Lindsay. And so they've run the gamut of their um, emotions with their kids. Yeah. And she just gave me the freedom to be honest with the way that I was feeling, she was super encouraging and just told me, you know, it's probably going, that will happen. That love will come. That mm-hmm. bond will come. Give it some space and just let yourself be real about it. Cause I was feeling a lot of shame about the fact that I was feeling that way. So I remember coming home from target and being like, okay, this huh. is not bad. God's going to provide for this relationship specifically between my son and I. And it was just a really encouraging time. So I have since that time just been so grateful to those girls and they share just really openly about their experience and they don't sugarcoat it, but they also (laughs) very clearly love their families and their children. So, yeah, I think even that story that you share is the reason why we want to do this podcast, right? Because when you share stories and we're honest with each other about what's going on, then we relate to each other and we become closer to each other. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot less uh, room for shame in our lives when we share stories. So, true. so I love that that can happen in a Target parking lot. And that can also happen through a podcast uh, on the internet. It's pretty awesome. So that's yeah. why we're doing this. We're sharing stories. So we're going to jump in. Um, we've already started in this conversation. We'll jump right in and just want to let you know the first voice that you hear is Lindsay's, if that helps you keep track. So Lindsay starts and then you'll hear from Hannah. Hope you love this really fun conversation with our friends, Hannah and Lindsay. Basically, Danny and I always wanted to adopt. And then, um, well, I just got a little nervous too. Um, <laughs> That's okay. So we wanted to adopt, but we started having kids like right away. Um, I have, so 11 years ago, we had Charlie and she's 11. Um, and then we, a year, about a year later, we had Reese and then couple years later we had Graham so we started with our three kiddos before we started fostering and we start didn't start fostering first actually Hannah and Andrew had started and um we were planning on adopting from Ethiopia actually we had our approval and all that 
but I got pregnant with Graham in between. So kind of postponed everything. Then when Hannah and Andrew started. Did Ethiopia have a law that you couldn't adopt if you were pregnant or something at the time? It was something like they wanted us to wait until he was about six months old. Yeah. So we waited. And then by that time, Hannah and Andrew had already fostered a couple kids. And the direction just kind of shifted for us um, because we are super close. Like uh, the four of us are like have always been pretty Mm-hmm. Like best friends. So, yeah. um, yeah, we started really naive, 25, 26. Um, so you had, how old were you when Charlie was born? I had just turned 21. Oh, such a wow. baby. Yes. Yeah. You couldn't even have, well, I guess you could if you were 21. You could have a drink to celebrate. Just barely. <laughs> it was like too much hmm. shy. So you didn't even yeah. know what you were missing. <clears throat> Oh, I kind of did. That's when social media started. And so, uh, so I had like, you know, a glimpse of what everyone else was doing. But sure. yeah. How old were you when you got married? 19. 19. Okay. Mm-hmm. Baby. Is yeah. Danny same age as you? Danny is a year older. So okay. he was 20. Okay. Oh, the cradle robber. I know. Well, and I know yeah. both of you have always said that you're always open to adopting a child that comes into your home mm-hmm. and so was your first foster child is that a child that's now yours no no so we you- had we had um a little boy who um at the time drove me <laughs> insane <laughs> he drooled and he was always come back. We called it the perma stash of like Kool-Aid from visits with his parents. Um, interestingly enough, his dad <laughs> knew Hannah's dad because Hannah's dad was a police officer for 30 years. Okay. And he knew his brother or her brother. Um, so that was actually a really good thing. I was nervous about that, but um, he, <laughs> there, the dad would, you know, he just like really thought fondly of, Danny's dad so um that's awesome that was a great connection yeah Yeah. so you knew did you kind of know that that was going to be a temporary thing or was there a chance that that was I I guess going in foster her it's always gonna supposed supposed to be a temporary thing reunification is always like the the number one goal okay yeah so going into it it wasn't like oh we're gonna adopt all these kids it was Mm -hmm. like we wanted to adopt at some point in our lives, but we didn't know when or how and how that was going to play out with foster care. And so we just were like, we're just going to, it was a way for me as a young mom to like come into my community and help when I felt kind of like I couldn't leave my house. Mm -hmm. So it was like, for me, it was like a really awesome opportunity to like really kind of see what our community looked like. Mm -hmm. And it was eye opening. (laughs) Um, because, mm-hmm. like I said, we were really naive, and we had this perfect little family, and that kind of exploded when we fostered. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. a piece of it was you could help your community. Come alongside families. Yes. Yeah, so your adoption story didn't start with infertility, or mm-hmm. you were just, you couldn't have kids, which I feel like is is what people perceive as your people's first, maybe, why people would adopt. Mm-hmm. So yours was just born out of what? Uh a desire to be a part of our community in a different yeah. way and serve in our community. Yeah. That's and amazing. So, yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Lin- you have a lot more to your story, Lindsay, but let's introduce yeah. Hannah mm-hmm. and have a little synopsis from Hannah on your yeah. family and your okay. background a little. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm Hannah and, um, my husband is Andrew. We met like back in college. Um, I grew up in Oshkosh and I I remember like years ago actually wanting to adopt not no not adopt foster start to foster and then possibly adopt someday um but fostering actually teenagers was something that I wanted to do like way way back because before you were married even yeah before I was married like before I had even met Andrew actually like it was because I think I was helping out at the youth group at the time and I just had a desire for for helping kids that age anyway so that like we I met Andrew he wanted nothing to do with adopting fostering anything in fact when I brought it up he was like no like why why would we yeah want to like 
take care of somebody else's kid, basically. Like, right. that was kind of his, like... Totally valid. I don't think that I could love a child. Like, I love my own or... Anyway, yeah. so um, I kind of just, like, put it on the back burner for a while. And we have... So we have three biological kids. Keenan is our oldest. He's 13. And then um, Maverick is nine. And then Hawkins is six. <laughs> I do the same thing. I totally do the same thing. Uh, um, and we started fostering when did we have Maverick? Yes. Yeah, Keenan. We had Keenan and Maverick when we started fostering. So we had two biological kids. And um, we started not with the intentions to adopt, like we wanted to. And actually, sorry, I'm, I feel like I'm all over the place. That's Let me go you. back. Eventually, my husband was like, yeah, I think we could do this. And then, like, so we filled out the paperwork, like, went forward with it. And, and, like, as the process went on, I think he slowly was, like, on board with it. But it wasn't until we actually got the placement, like, the first placement in our house, that he was like, yes, we, f- like, we feel like this is what we should do and we want to do this. So do you know what changed in him or what was part of that process? Our, I mean, our faith and the Lord, like yeah. just leading him to that because I want, I knew I wanted to do it. And I w- obviously was like probably the biggest factor in that for him. Like, cause yeah. he realized that that was something I was passionate about, but he was not at the time. And so it's funny cause over the years, I feel like we've gone back and forth hmm. with like seasons of like, oh, like, I just don't know if I want to do this anymore. I need to take a break. And he's like, I, I actually do want yeah. to. And like, so it's, it's so funny how that's growing weary. The other one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Feeling compelled to keep going. Yes. So you balance it out that yes. way. Yes. The mm-hmm. same thing happened for Mark and I in our adoption. Yeah. Yes. It was like, I have adopted brother and sister. So I came into our marriage, like we're doing this. And he was like, sure, maybe. And then all of a sudden he was like, let's really do it. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we totally went back and forth until the time was right. And it was like, we mm-hmm. both felt like we knew we were supposed to. Yeah. But it, so just funny yeah. to say that. Was no, totally. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I don't have like this crazy story. Like we both wanted to, and we wanted mm-hmm. to like necessarily, we didn't, I don't think I felt the same as you were. Like I wanted to help our community and like be a part of it. Like I just felt like it was something that I had a passion for and we wanted to do. And yeah. so I have a friend named Brenda really quick. Yeah. Who literally was sitting at a conference one day and she feels like she heard God say adopt. I think it was like, well, and she was like, okay, I guess we're supposed to. Yeah. So it was like, she was like, I don't know. God told me today we're supposed <laughs> to adopt. And then they did. And it was like, Oh, oh my so gosh. I always want that. Like, I always want that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, you just tell me, like, this right. is exactly what yes. you do, but it doesn't seem to be the way it goes in our life. And they yeah. did, and they have beautiful John Mark, and it's yeah, whatever, but yeah, that didn't it, doesn't, yeah, it didn't, wasn't our story. It sounds like it wasn't yours, but no. anyway, yeah. But at some point, no. a seed was planted in both of you at different ages. And yep. So how many years in are you, Lindsay, from first foster kid to where you are now? Seven. Seven. Hannah, how about you? It was like eight or nine. Okay. No, it was six months to a year before us. So probably seven. Yeah. Something like that. Eight. So currently you currently, how many kids do you each have and how many of those are uh, either biologicals or like they're yours or, and how many are foster at the moment? Um, well we have, we had, um, okay. So we have four biological and one adopted through the foster care system. Um, our birth order is a little um, yeah. different. So we had those three that I was talking about before. Biological. And then biological children. And then we got Micah, who now is our son. We got him when I was four months pregnant yeah. with Maudie, who's okay. our fourth born. So it was kind of like little biracial twins. And they, yeah. Micah killed me the second I laid eyes on him. Oh. I knew, like, he was the, the first kid that I was like, I'm going to get my heart broken. Mm. I literally felt it in my bones that like I was going to fall in love with him and then he was going to leave like all the other kids had left Mm. and I wasn't attached to the other kids the way I was to him. So instantly. And Mm -hmm. so for Danny and I, um, he was a baby. He was a baby. He was four months old. Um, I remember seeing him at church when he was really little and also just being (laughs) like, this kid is precious. I know. And he's just, he was just the sweetest little baby. He's the sweetest little boy. Um, yeah, and so that didn't happen. So we we were able to adopt him. Um, and and was that a pretty 
is in, in terms of Foster to Adopt, did that process go smoothly? Was there a ton of bumps in the road? I think his his um, whole situation is probably as smooth as it could possibly go mm-hmm. okay. for everyone involved, including his birth. I have a relationship with his birth mom mm-hmm. um, that when you start fostering, you do. You have a relationship with all of the birth parents. So it's not like you decide later you decide when it comes time to adopt whether you want an open adoption or not it's not like you're like already have all this history by the time you adopt because you have no choice in it right yeah you're you're, the whole goal is to reunify the kids with their parents and so you're there to support them in that and And so in general too like when you say smooth yeah like (laughs) it's not like if you were to do an an adoption like through an agency. Yeah, an agency or anything where like birth that. birth mom is willingly handing you No, I mean, we're talking child. about parents. These kids have been ripped away from their parents, mm-hmm. and the parents are usually very angry and bitter, and they want their kids back most of the time, mm-hmm. but they need help first. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, if you, like, want to foster, not not everyone does this, but I feel like if you want it to go smoothly quote unquote Mm -hmm. um you need to like go into it knowing that you're gonna be in a relationship with these parents Mm -hmm. basically for as long as they're in care or if you adopt as for the rest of their life because they're gonna have visits and you're gonna have to learn how to be on the same page and understand like them them understand you a little bit and you want to kind of come alongside of them Mm -hmm. otherwise it's going to be really rough Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And if that makes sense. I don't. Yeah, I and Micah's situation was just totally not like that because, like his, um, his mom loved him, but she was young, didn't have the support system, couldn't yeah. couldn't do it, and so she left him with family. Family couldn't do it. Um, there was no like real neglect or abuse or any of the mm. things that you hear like horror stories or that we've actually experienced with other kids. Like it, it was just simply can't do it at the time. Yeah. And so when it came time, he was in our home for about two years before she actually signed her rights over. So mm-hmm. she voluntarily gave her rights up. And Danny and I were actually the only ones in the room, in the courtroom for that. So she had zero support. Oh, wow. Nobody there besides Danny and I, foster mm-hmm. parents. And it was super awkward and uncomfortable for her, for us. And um, I remember just feeling really like, nervous how do I move forward and how do I like keep this girl in her son's life mm-hmm. but he's mine now and right. like I love him and it was nerve-wracking at first and then over time the more you just like slowly build and build like the more they trust you too that like I'm not just here just to take your son and that's actually by the way the first thing I'd always tell mm-hmm. if anyone's like starting foster here or wants to foster that's the very first thing I say to birth parents is like I'm not here to take your child mm, yeah I'm here to support I'm here to watch them keep them safe while you figure out what you need yeah to get your life together wow so that's like but I mean I just feel like that's so opposite when I when we were growing up I thought foster care was like drug addicts trying to get money <laughs> did you have the yeah. same con- concept no, maybe just well, me. I grew up in Milwaukee, so no. I think that I think that you that's actually parents were in yeah, it for like, the money. Well, there, I, I feel like oh, there was foster pro- parents. I okay. actually feel yeah. like there was probably a time where that maybe that maybe was in larger because, cities. It still is sometimes like that because a lot of the the um, parents that we are in contact with usually have been in foster care themselves, oh. and they have a really bad experience, uh-huh. and so. Us, like the first thing Andrew and I do is try to get to know them and invite them over to our house so that they can like see where their kid's sleeping, see that they're happy, see that like here, like we're an open book, like we're not hiding anything from you, you. like correct, like Mm -hmm. we, yes, we want to treat them like they're our own kids, like we want to come alongside you and help you until you can like get yourself together and do what Mm -hmm. you need to do. Like that's super, super important for us because I feel like that then like we established that like relationship between us where we're not here to take your kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if, I mean, obviously like we would adopt at some point if that came up, but that builds up, that has to build up over time. Yeah. I mean, it's not just like an overnight thing. It's years. Yes. (laughs) So does that make you nervous bringing them into your home? 
Yes, actually, yeah. the case that we that we have right now, um, the kids have been with us for seven months, and we first just did that, like okay. literally this last weekend. Like it took Your me that tolerance. long because they're. <laughs> There is different now than it was back in the day. For sure. Like when we first started, like we were way more cautious, Mm -hmm. but I still like our very first placement we had. Yeah. The parents come to our house. We did visits together. Like we, and that's encouraged by the social workers. There's not any sort of restrictions around that. Only if it's dangerous, which Which it has become more dangerous. Yes. And that's why we, that's why it's taken us as long as it has for this specific case, just because there's some more Stuff. too many things going yes. on. Yeah. Keep a, is there a third party person there for those meetings or no. is it literally just the birth parents and you guys? Yep, it is. Okay. But I don't Sometimes feel like better. Yeah, yeah, I feel like like I don't know. I just I these parents are watched non-stop by these workers. Wow. They're vi- like mm-hmm. imagine your kids, I mean obviously my kids would not get ripped away from me cuz I don't do the things that some of these kids have happened to them, but like if your kids were taken away from you and then you have these workers, quote unquote, supervising some who aren't even parents, mm-hmm. watching how you parent your kids mm-hmm. and trying to give you instruction mm-hmm. on how to parent your kids. So these these parents are put under a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. they should be because mm-hmm. there is a reason that the kids got pulled. But so I when they come to our house or we invite them over, like I want to give them that space to just like be able to be with their kids and like yeah. let yeah. them. I, I don't know. It takes know. the threat away from you too, as yes. like somebody who's just trying to take their kid or That's a huge. It just really does trust. Yeah. I would imagine. So yeah. when people go into foster care wanting to just adopt, mm-hmm. they're going to get disappointed. They're going to get disappointed really fast <laughs> okay. because that is not, not like cool. I. I would not recommend people to. I mean, you can foster to adopt, which means that if it turns into adoption, then you have a heart for it. And yeah. but it usually is years before that actually takes place, sure. and it's a long, brutal yes. process that usually messes the children up more. Yeah. So it's pretty messy. It's very messy, so, and it's very emotionally draining. And oh my goodness. And so. Just- that didn't, none of that happened with Micah, by the way. No, and we have yeah. we yeah. have a daughter that none of it happened in a year. We adopted her within a year. She was five months when she came to us, and I think she was a year and a half when we adopted her. And her mom gave over rights as well, okay, which made that process go faster. But our other case, our other case was three and a half years before um, we adopted, and in those three and a half years, the kids went back and forth to visits, giving mom all the mom and dad all these tries try after try to try to you know see if she could do it and so these kids are are being tossed to these yeah mm-hmm. that's visits how it feels and parents when you're, when you're the, on the other side that's how it feels like well and to the kids yeah. just like thinking my mom's gonna be able to do it and I'm gonna go home soon you should like the, just even the way they talk like because mm-hmm. I also think that foster that adoption has this romanticized yes that like Mm -hmm. these kids are just gonna run into your arms and say thank you for adopting me like I'm gonna be the most loving child ever to you because of that it's actually the complete opposite when these kids come into their home they've been ripped out and they don't like you necessarily or don't want you to parent them they want to go back to their parents even though it was really messy and they've Mm -hmm. been they were treated terribly so it's yeah do you um have you, I'm sure you've seen it play out with your foster kids, that sense of they feel that loyalty, they feel that sense of wanting to be with their birth mom or dad. But do you see it, especially probably with your older ones, that awareness of what it can be like in a functioning home with love? Like, has, How do you walk that line with them when they want to go home, but then there's probably a piece of them that's also like, but this feels really safe and... Yeah good here have you had a foster kid go back home and not want to maybe that's a better way to I haven't all the kids that you haven't had a lot of kids go home have you Hannah Um, we've had a decent I mean one who (laughs) I our begin I feel like your second placement was Christopher and Selena right yep yeah 
And then, and then. So in, two kids went home. They wanted to go home, but they. Yep. And they would, st- yeah. now that they're even adopted, like they're, they want to see their mom because yeah, so they. these are two that, how that, many kids have you adopted from foster? We've adopted four. Okay. Through foster care. Okay. Um, and one was a sibling group, a brother and a sister. Okay. And, um, the oldest one was five when he came to us and he, so he has all of those memories Mm -hmm. of visiting his mom and like all of these almost, I mean, he, they're almost like, I feel like he's made some stuff up in his head too of what maybe it was like when it wasn't like that Sure, because he really, he wants that relationship with his mom. Yeah. But she hasn't been able to give that to him. Yeah. So there's just this like discipline. He's old enough to have some memories yeah. and to know some stuff. For sure. And but he also easily makes some stuff up, you know. Yeah. And whatever. and for sense. three and a half years, he went back and forth between our houses to visits, to hearing his mom cancel, to hearing like oh. all these excuses and stuff. So it wasn't just like he came to us at five and then he didn't see his mom anymore. Yeah. yeah. It was, he was eight years old before that stopped. Yeah. So does he call you mom? Yes, but it took probably two years. Okay. He called me by my first name for the first two years. We've never, we've never like told the kids to call us anything. We just say we're Hannah and Andrew. And then eventually over time, like the kiddos have called us mom or yeah, the kiddos that we have right now just call us by our first names. Okay. So they do the one, your foster kids now. Call yep. Hannah and Andrew. Yep. And every now and again, the little boy will say, I'm going to call you mommy. Huh? And, yeah. and, and I'm like, yeah, you can they call me whatever you want. Like they test drive. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so we <laughs> just, whatever you, huh. whatever you want to do, like we don't push anything. Yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. So, and it depends on the kids, um, like their circumstances. Cause we did have one that immediately called us mom, but that's actually not a great sign Almost because a warning sign. Yeah, yeah. Which we didn't know at the time, of course, but yeah. And actually the, yeah. um, our son now called Andrew dad right away because he had no relationship with his dad at all. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, then it I took him two years that. to call me mom. So, okay. Yeah. Okay, to so finish how yeah. many kids I have, yeah. I have eight total. <laughs> so I have five ours and then we have three foster children ages three, one and seven months who are all siblings. They're half siblings and they all came to us as babies. Um, so they all have different cases interestingly enough I think some people think like oh you have a sibling group and but they are all on different cases because they all have different fathers and so, so three different social workers three nope different... same social worker Is so that that's helpful? nice yep okay. that was very helpful so then like on our end we only have like that one visit mm-hmm. um a month and then but we are working with two different counties because um of where they were born one was born in yeah in okay. a different county yeah so now we are working with two different counties but Winnebago they try to work together mm-hmm. basically cool. they they try to make it a little easier but sometimes you know break communication gets lost and stuff like that so it makes it a little challenging when it comes to like figuring out what's going on mm-hmm. for these kids mm-hmm. um but we know that so the two that we two older kids that we have um we know that like the end is near we don't know exactly what will happen but we have court dates coming up um, that will determine like either if parents rights are going to be taken or if we start over. So that's what happens. If you mm. go through a whole trial and a process of termination of parental rights after three years, if a jury trial sits in front of them and says, no, nope, we want to give you another chance you start the clock over. Oh my wow. God. So that's why and you see kids in care years? for a long time. Well, it depends. It just depends. I think at that point, the County might push the kids back home maybe, wow. um, or try to, because it, I mean, no kid should be in foster care system for like nine years of their life. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's kind of a hard situation because like workers have their hands tied. Like mm-hmm. the laws in Wisconsin aren't great. Like there's just a lot of like hoops to jump through and things they have to try and prove that this is the right decision. So, yeah. So we have some of those things coming up. Um, we do plan on adopting the three that we have if it goes to termination print rights. And we do have a decent relationship with their mom. Okay. Um, it's growing, but it's yeah. still like Is we she don't know each other. She wants well. them back. Is she? She. Uh, uh, I can't discuss their case right yeah. now. Fair enough. Um, but at some point, I could totally tell you what happened someday. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, they 
everything still is to be determined. Okay. The crazy part for me is like, you had those three since they were babies, right? Yeah. And like, we all love them. Uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. I love them. Part mm-hmm. of the family. Yeah, like, they're part around, of yeah. our family. And and mm-hmm. so even more so for you, it, it just must be, can you speak to what that's like to live that line of loving a kid and treating them like they're your own? <laughs> um, I can, yeah. yeah. Um, it basically, you just do it. You just do it because... Um, like I think what justifies it is the fact that the kids need a loving home. Mm. They need parents to love them. Um, and like I said, Micah was kind of like my eye opener, um, of like, okay. Cause up until then, I think I was holding back a little bit. Like it was yeah. like, oh, these kids are going home. Some of them drive me crazy. Like don't feel very attached to them. Like, you know, I'm in it to help their family, get them back. And then, yeah. Somewhere along the line, I think the last seven years, Winnebago, Winnebago's done some things to change so that are good, but are more difficult. So they have now a service that goes into homes. So if it's like basic concerns, like, and I would say basic concerns are um, drug use, um, in and out of jail, domestic abuse. Those things are basic? Those are basic concerns. Mm -hmm. It's pretty crazy. Those basic concerns now... Workers are going into homes and teaching those families how to survive and how to like hmm. get better with the kids in the home so they're not ripped out for years and then put back. Which is but, actually which is a, a good thing. It is a good thing because <laughs> yeah. then the kids aren't traumatized from yes. being ripped away from their parents. Yes. Right. If the parents receive the help. Okay. Yes. And but actually are able do the to work. Yes. But on the flip side of that, why it's negative is that the the kids that are, are screened in and are put into care are some of like the worst of the worst. Like, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it's hard to keep foster parents sane. It's hard to keep social yeah. workers sane. It's hard to keep like anything running smoothly because yeah. all of the trauma and all the stuff that. So if a child kids, at this point is taken out of a home, it's for even more serious issues than what you just yeah. said. It's there's abuse ne- going on, like there's- severe neglect, severe abuse, anything from sexual to I physical, mean, mental, yeah, 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 everything, um, to kids dying. Yeah. To deaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're getting these kids and they are wounded beyond what most people can even fathom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're bringing them into your home where you also have other children. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't help but look at your other kiddos who are both mm-hmm. biological and adopted and think what amazing, hopefully citizens they will be in their life. That doesn't mean that they'll follow the same road as you, Mm -hmm. but just the compassion that you're showing them and teaching them is. Yeah. It's been really cool to watch our kids. Like Mm -hmm. as we've taken placements, Mm -hmm. like actually this last placement that we got was on Christopher's birthday. Every time we get, a call for a case Aww. I feel like it's somebody's birthday <laughs> or like yeah. there's something there's big something going happening. on yeah no for sure there's always like something well, so and you said you were done right yeah you were done yeah for real <laughs> I didn't know that so, you guys so were- we got the call on his birthday and he was having a sleepover and it was this like he, something always does happen. it does it's always yeah, something the, big yeah, yeah it is because the birthday time before trips. that it was it was it was hawkins birthday yeah. and we got nevea on maverick's yeah. birthday like Shut up. i'm dead serious wow. it's always so i feel like our Stop kids are birthdays. yeah i feel like our Stop kids are like tested yeah. almost because uh. so christopher was in foster care and so we got this placement of these two little kiddos mm. they can't come into our home you can just see like deer in headlights look on their face they're scared they have no idea who we are like and Christopher his birthday just totally got ruined he was supposed to sleep in a camper with a bunch of friends play video games have movie night eat tons of junk food and he has to now come inside and like at that point is it party's done well we still had the kids sleep over but we had to move it inside because I needed my husband's help and we had to you know help get these kids situated so Christopher brings the little kids some presents that he had gotten for his birthday and was like here you can have these and play with them Mm -hmm. and like just so you know you're safe here like I I went through this too Mm -hmm. like just comes alongside of them and like it's just really cool to watch our kids come alongside of these kids and not only that but watch things get ruined like these kids come in our house 
and they're terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> like, I they mean, they come stuff. in, they destroy <laughs> our stuff. They, I mean, it, it, it's like, not just an inconvenience. No, we're yeah. talking total upheaval. Yeah, it's it, sometimes, yeah. not every time, but for a lot the most of times. part, unless you're getting like a baby, baby. That's are easy. that's basically what easier, you yeah. should expect. That these kids are going to come in like and be the worst. Yeah, or not, if, or if they're on the flip side, if they're terrifying, you have to like work on yes. a ton of other things. Sure. Yeah. So our, I just feel like our kids have done a really good job of like this is their tolerance. It's just. This something we can replace it's not a big deal this is what we do like we've I mean there's there was actually a, a moment with one of our sons that we've adopted who has some pretty crazy behavioral stuff um we were really really contemplating whether or not we were going to adopt him and my oldest at the time was like we have to adopt him because you told us that no one else will adopt him because of how bad his behaviors were and he would end up in a group home. And so we need to adopt him. And we, you know, laid out like, you realize what this is probably going to look like for our family. Like, it's not yeah. going to be normal. And he was like, yep, but we need to do it. How old is he at the time? 12. He's like 12. And I was like, like <laughs> I mean, and at that point I was like, oh, okay, we do have to do this. Yeah. But it's yeah. kind of cool. You know, it's but- neat to see. It yeah. is. It is really neat to see your kids. It, I yeah, it'll be interesting to see what path they take as they get older. Yeah. Like if they will end up fostering or if they will be like, heck no, right. not for me or yeah. <laughs> like, what child? What yeah, for <laughs> sure. <Biological>. No, <laughs> for sure. Who knows? But yeah. uh, so we never finished what your family looks like. How many kiddos do you have in your home right now? So we have um, seven kids. Four we've adopted, three biological, and then we have two that we're currently fostering. So nine total. So you wow. had adopted four kids. You had seven. That's when I feel like you were like, yep, we're done. We got seven kids. Yes. That's a lot. Well, not even that's a lot, but <laughs> our last child that we adopted mm-hmm. is actually not in our home right now. He's at a boarding school in another country because he has reactive attachment disorder. And there he has so many behavioral issues that I just needed a really big break because our family went through so much. Yeah. I don't even know how to explain that. Just well, I think Google you, reactive attachment disorder. Yeah. I think <laughs> you need a break, but he also needed some yes. pretty intense therapy. He wasn't just going to be able to Yeah, just not want to pull up your bootstraps yes. and um, yeah. just get over at behaviors. It's a pretty significant. Correct. It, yeah. Yeah. I, I think this bears a little more discussion if you're willing, yeah. though, Hannah, because I think it's for anyone who is thinking of doing this, this is a pretty like it, this is a really hard one this is so, the scariest thing that people probably are like yeah right yeah. so how can you walk us through a little bit of his journey how you guys came to that decision and what the plan is going forward so he came to us when he was four we had done respite for him just over a weekend like years uh like probably like a year prior to that and just just like watch them while the foster parents go on a vacation or like go or like need a break or whatever so we just like watched him for a a long weekend he was in somebody else's house for foster yes for foster care yes so he had actually been in six different foster homes before Mm -hmm. he came to ours so we kind of when I say kind of, I mean, we a little bit had an idea of what we were getting ourselves into, like a tiny bit. Like I, we knew that like he had some crazy behaviors and we were told that, but we didn't really know. I mean, we like, I mean, we were like, okay, this kid throws some massive fits and Mm -hmm. whatever. And so we were like, yes, well the, so the, so the foster family that had him, um, they were just an older couple that not, and they weren't even that, that old. They just had, decided that they didn't want to adopt anymore. Their kids were grown already and they went into fostering just to foster, come alongside the parents and then send these kids home. And it came to time for them to like decide whether or not they were going to adopt. They decided not to. Yeah. For real. That's the double-edged sword of foster Uh, care. Yes. Uh So, so even if adoption isn't necessarily your end goal or wasn't even really on your frame of mind after that particular if the court There's decides time. to terminate yes. parental rights, they hand you this They want you to say, adopt They them. want you to, yeah. So they want us to say we don't want to adopt them for the whole time, for like three years. So, and then when it comes time to adopt, it's like, are you still on board? And yeah. by then it's like, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, most wow. people would think that you would want to at that point, but you never know what you're going to mm-hmm. sure. experience during that time. So, well, right. And how cool that a family that a couple that's not looking to have any more kids in their yeah. home would still consider serving their community by absolutely yeah Yeah. and they did an amazing job but then yes they get bombarded with this question of like will you and they were like but we said we'd never do this and yeah so it's a hard decision yeah Yeah, so he actually went to another home a pre-adoptive a pre-adoptive home for a month and a half i think and these parents were like heck no done can't do it Mm -hmm. this is not happening so then but he apparently was told I, these are going to be your new parents. Yes. Oh, yeah. So that's the absolutely attachment. Oh. So it's like yes. I mean what, yes. And he was what else a do you tell and he was child? attached oh. to this previous yeah. foster home because he had been with them for a year and a half and they were like mom and dad. He thought. Uh, he, I mean, no like, fault of their own. Like no, for real. They, they were amazing. amazing they loved yeah. him. Like, I mean, they were doing yeah. the right thing. They yes. absolutely did. Mm-hmm. Um. So then we got the call, and we were like, yeah, because. That's what we do. do. (laughs) Right. It'll be hard, but we'll totally do it. Yeah. Well, we obviously had no idea what we were getting ourselves into because... we already had adopted two, three, two. We had adopted two and then was fostering Nevaeh at the time. So we had three in our home and we were like, yeah, we're experienced. Didn't you have Charlie first before Nevaeh? You adopted Nevaeh before... We, sorry, that's off topic. Never mind. No, no, no. We had, we had Nevea first. Okay. We had mm-hmm. Nevea in August and then Charlie came in September. Okay. It was very like, very quick, very, oh, quick, very okay. close. So okay. it was like very, yeah. So right. we brought him in and basically what it looked like was really cute for the first month. Cause there's like a honeymoon period totally. where you're like, and he's like such a handsome kid. Yes. Like, yeah. So We're like, cute. yeah. This kid's easy. Like, what are you guys yeah. talking about? He doesn't have any problems. And then... And he was how old when he came to you? Four? <laughs> Four. Okay. And then all of a sudden, he was like... Yeah. Punching holes through the walls oh and gosh. like screaming and yelling. Like, I mean, we literally moved from our neighborhood because we were so embarrassed of what people thought of us because this child was like crazy outside of our house and like running around like kicking people's mailboxes over like screaming at our kids we had to lots of restraining and they teach you how to do that i mean it's frowned upon (laughs) you're not supposed to yeah it's really like the the, that's why like this that's treatment home level kind of stuff Uh, uh so if you're going to restrain you have to document everything it's really really hard especially with a kid of rad because you're doing everything to keep that kid safe but you have to document it like no other because yeah. you could get in some serious trouble from people misunderstanding what's happening. Mm-hmm. Sure. Kids with rad, they will make false allegations. So then there's like that aspect and it's yeah. like, so it can, it can really be scary. But at that point with this little guy, I think they just really wanted to see an end. Yeah. And so he was close to the end of termination of parental rights. Because he had been in six different homes prior So they kind of were just so like, they were like, okay, just Keep it at our Let's get this. Get let's get this going. And like, let's get this kid. Yeah. Permanency. And we they were like, <laughs> and we questioned, yeah. like, we definitely questioned whether or not we should do it. But I don't feel like we ever had like anyone say to us, like, it's okay, it's okay. if you choose not to do this yeah. or yeah. it's okay. Like, like you're not going to be a failure if mm-hmm. you decide not to adopt him or you're like, we just felt like we're going to not give up on this child because you don't give up on a child. Like, and this is what we Mm -hmm. need to do. And so we just moved forward. It went, his adoption was very fast because of how many homes he was in. And so, and again, the County was just trying to get him out of the system so that they didn't have to like, yeah, Keep yeah. going One with more it. stuff would happen, honestly. Correct. It's way be, worse for him. Probably yeah. would be in different homes. So it was good that mm-hmm. you adopted him because... Well, and I remember, too, talking about it at the time and you saying, like, hopefully him being adopted will give him a sense of forever. Mm-hmm. That's the hope, yeah. And knowing that he's forever, he's not going anywhere, He, you know, he's mm-hmm. yours, will cha- help his behavior. Mm-hmm. Because uh, yeah. in other adoptions, we've seen that to be the yeah. case, right? Like, for sure, as yeah. the adoption happens, it's like the kid just... Yeah, can be secure. Yeah, mm-hmm. so their behavior mellows totally. Yeah, well, yeah. The kid with rad, it's just no, yeah. not the same. No, right. and they need help. That like a large family, <laughs> a large family. But even like 
Yeah. Even like the resources in this area, there's none. I researched and researched. I made so many phone calls. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Like I was, I, we got, after we adopted him, we got to a point where I literally hated even waking up in the morning because it was like this kid is going to wake up and he is going to act like this from sun up until sundown could literally play out the whole day literally we couldn't even I couldn't even have my other kids in like guitar lessons or softball or things that they wanted to be in because I didn't know when he was going to blow and usually if he did blow it was right before I had to be somewhere and then I was done we stopped going to church we stopped we literally stopped doing anything anything and if anybody like just random person stopped at our house I was like hitting out in anxiety Mm because it would make him blow and freak out like we stopped having friends over I feel like we literally fell off the face Mm -hmm. of the earth and we're isolating it was so isolating I can't imagine that you just probably needed so much support then Mm -hmm. and you try to explain to people like what you're going through but until you actually live it and go through it you don't well, when you actually get into like the real world and you go to church or go to the grocery store, you're like, ah, I'm fine. You put on a brave face and you're like, yeah, I'm great. When really like, yeah, there's not really, right. there's nowhere really to go. Yeah. Like, yeah. who do you talk to? Like when people haven't experienced that kind of mm-hmm. like trauma in their home. Yeah. My husband traveled for his job too. And so I would be like left yeah. with all of my children and him. Oh and I would just, I would have to they lived two houses down. My parents lived next door and I would have to call them or just say like, I need help because I don't know what he's doing outside. And I don't, there's people walking by and he's mm-hmm. like screaming things. We had cops at our doors a number oh. of times. I mean, it was like, can't even explain it. Anyways, long story short, we found this place in the Caribbean, St. Lucia, mm-hmm. crazy. Like I had emailed a ton of people or a ton of like boarding schools, like asking, I was, I looked at so many places yeah. for rad, like what, like I need to get this kid help. I could easily just send him somewhere here and just have him like go into a group a home, home or whatever, but yeah. he would not get the help that he needed. Yeah. Right. So I knew that he had reactive attachment disorder. I had to find like the best care for him. Well, around here, the best care is like 10 grand a month at the cheapest. Like oh, you don't have that just sitting around. <laughs> yeah. And that's so, an inpatient yes. place. Yeah. Because what he needed was not like a few therapies a week. Like yeah. he needed to go somewhere and have around the clock therapy. Yeah. So this lady calls me back and is like, I, um, just wanted to check in and see if you ever found a place for your son. I know you sent some emails out and I was like, no, I gave up on it. Like every place I found, like I just, I just closed the door to it. It's just not even worth it. So we were talking, come to find out she was totally a Christian. She had a son who was autistic and had some issues. So so I felt like we were, we kind of had an understanding Mm -hmm. for each other and like just kind of the stress and like, you know, going above and beyond trying to find help and then never finding it and getting what you need for your child. Anyways, she randomly was like, there is this place in the Caribbean. I know it sounds crazy. And they specialize in reactive attachment disorder. She told me about it. She gave me this lady's information to call the director there. So I like immediately hung up the phone, called this lady. And like, I hung up the phone after I talked with this woman. She had this like deep Caribbean accent, like very strong, like... Um, and I called my husband. He had been in Colorado for a month. So he hadn't seen my son for a month. So he was kind of like, oh, he's fine. Like, forget. I, cause yeah, you yeah. forget. Like, right. he's like, you're doing, but like, I had been with him by myself. And so uh, I was like, he's going here. Yeah. Like, I know this is where he's supposed to be. And he's going here. And he thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Was like, and like, the finances for it. Yeah. Like, we, we, we have to figure it out because yeah. it's not just like, Free. All of a sudden we have it. Yeah. <laughs> so we, after like more research on the place and talking to the people there, that's where he is right now. And he's been yeah. there since last July. Okay. So I don't know how many months that is. Almost a year. Almost, a, almost yeah. a year. Yep. Um, and he'll probably be there. They say one to three years is like the average, but he'll probably be there for like more five. than one. <laughs> He's definitely yeah. not your average like yeah. child that will get better really quick. Okay. <laughs> so 
yeah. So how do you? Oh, yeah, ahead. I was just gonna say, how do you stay in touch? How do you get updates from the school? And how is he doing? Yeah, so he's he's doing okay. He has struggles, like majorly, still crazy anger and like disrespect and. He's like, I feel like he's not doing the greatest, but they keep telling me like his progress is where we would expect him to be. Huh. It's very slow progress, but it's progress. Mm-hmm. And That's we encouraging. Yep. Yeah, it is. We Skype with him once a week. So we get to see him like face to face and then we get updates like as much as we want. So I can met, um, we have like the WhatsApp. Yeah. So we literally just like voice message back and forth with the director there and she's like, will message me five times a day if I want. So we're constantly getting updates and it's an amazing program. Yeah. And you felt, it feels like you have felt like you would want to see progress faster, but you have felt like it's been a very trustworthy. Absolutely. And the truth is for a child who's been through what he's been through for however many years of his life, like you can't expect overnight progress. No. Like it's a very slow, especially with reactive attachment disorder. It's just not something that you get therapy for and get over really quick. Yeah. So, yeah. and they don't send these kids home until they're like ready. Yeah. yeah. So it's amazing. So yeah. what's the theory behind that treatment? Is it very structured? Is it? It's like crazy structured. Yeah. Like from sunup till sundown, there is a plan and, and it's, there's not a lot of playtime. And if there is playtime, it's like group activity sports that they're playing together. Mm-hmm. It's not by themselves. It's, they're basically teaching the kids empathy. They're teaching them how to, um, work and how, how to love other people. Like, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. what's, that comes easy for us. That does not come easy for these kids. Yeah. Like they've learned to put up a wall their whole life and not to trust anybody. And so they're basically retraining the brain. Yes. Yeah, it's actually kids. like biology, right? There's it's, like yeah. rewiring brain brain. It's Yeah. Rewiring. rewiring. Yeah. It's, in, it's insane. And to think like they have all these, I mean the first like however many months I was like just waiting for a call that he was going to get kicked out. Cause he's been, he's been, to some places and like he's just been kicked out and not they basically have said like there's nothing we can do for this child like he's and they actually so a lot of these facilities will pump you with medication and just yeah. like let I yeah mellow you out yes and just veg you out yes and- where this place they stripped him of his medications he's not on any medications and they're teaching him to manage without and they're showing him how to live without that medication and how to manage his anger and how to deal with that so that like he can function Mm -hmm. in society someday yeah i have so much hope for you that there is a place that kids like your son can go to Mm -hmm. who desperately need this Mm -hmm. and just for your family that you guys can probably, you're probably healing from this and mm-hmm. growing from this. I don't know. I just, I give you total props for, that's such a mama bear, right? You just yeah. do what you got to do yes. to get your kid what they need. And I love that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of cool, Hannah. That's your personality, right? Like you're going to do the right thing. <laughs> it's, yeah. But I, it seems to me like God knew like that he would need you to be his mom, to be able to make those hard decisions. Sure. Because I think, I mean, I think, it is a hard decision just to for sure choose like that send your kid to a boarding school and I've had people like because we sh- we shared a very small bit on Instagram about mm-hmm. him it was like one or two like stories or like whatever you call them Post. um posts yeah and he and I had a couple of people reach out to me like saying like I can't believe you sent your kid there like oh, those places really? abuse kids and like like, so, but I understand why people say sure. that because there are a lot of places and facilities that do do that. And so like, yeah, like it's scary to think like we sent our kid off yeah. to an unknown. I'm supposed to be his mom. I'm supposed to be the one mothering him. And now someone else is doing that. And we're trusting that they're. Yeah. But yeah. I know that he's being well taken care of. We see him. We talk to the people on a regular basis. I visited there like we saw. Yeah. I dropped him off and. Mm-hmm. That, um, so those like comments from those people, what does that do to you? Are you just like, whatever you guys are stupid or did that bother you? Um, no, I don't know. I messaged him back and I was like, thank you for your concern. But oh. I heavily looked into this and wouldn't just send my kid anywhere. Like it yeah. took 
lots of research before I just decided to send him there. Mm-hmm. I was actually, I was actually very. <laughs> I was actually more angry than you were. I actually feel like that's not the response. <laughs> no, I was, I was <laughs> me neither. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I was like, mature. What? That was a different one, actually. I had a different. Yeah, there was a couple, but yeah. Well, and speaking the people that I think they can have opinions about you, but anyway. yeah. absolutely. I was going to say, speaking of Instagram, Lindsay has written some really beautiful, heartfelt, very open and honest. Yeah. Um, posts on Instagram about your journey as a foster mom. And that process, and they usually make me tear by the end of reading them. And I just love that that you're is, is it therapeutic for you? Is it what's the what's the yeah, what's it doing for you? It's definitely therapeutic. I never kept a journal. I'm not very good at keeping journals. Um, and I've always had like before Instagram, it was. I think MySpace or um, yes, <laughs> I remember MySpace, and it was right. like Facebook. And yeah. I always have loved taking documenting everything. That's always like when our kids were little. I mean, I'm always the one with the with the camera. I'm always mm-hmm. the one documenting things, and so yeah. um, it shifted when things got rough in our home. And so Instagram was actually perfect because I'm not posting like all these amazing photos or beautiful family. It's like. little glimpses and Mm -hmm. but then I also could write and it felt like about a year ago um I just felt like so I had a private page and then I shifted into a public page because I was like I really just want to like share like more openly because I had several people like who were either starting foster care or starting adoption or whatever it was and they, they just wanted like advice or whatever which I don't have very good advice but I (laughs) have my own experiences so Mm -hmm. I just started sharing and um it's turned out to be more therapeutic for me than it what and sometimes it is even about encouraging other people and just kind of like an outlet but then there's also you know you can't just share everything yeah so it's kind of like I go back and forth with it Mm -hmm. It, I kind of have to take it in like all right I'm gonna I feel like, though, for your kiddos in your home, whether your foster kids will become your kids or not, I feel like if they ever have the opportunity to look back and see those posts, mm-hmm. your heart is all over it. Mm-hmm. And just your desire to love these kids well, it's written all over that page. So I feel like mm-hmm. they will just see that and feel that from you. And that, I don't know. That I think actually cool. was one of one of my thoughts um, when I'm when I am writing is like, okay, if these kids see this, mm. what are they going to see? How am I going to paint this? Because the truth is, like, foster care is really hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard. You feel drained and tired, and, like, sometimes you do want to give up. And um, for these kids who have, like, been through everything, like, what does that communicate? Um, and, again, it goes back to the, like – every kid deserves to feel loved and cared for and when you actually do that (laughs) it's super painful yeah (laughs) so but you know that you like accomplished what you're supposed to yes yes (laughs) but again it's like yeah Mm -hmm. I think what's fun for me watching you guys is the two of your personalities are so different from each other Mm -hmm. um very different. Very different from each other. <laughs> right. So, Hannah, you're like, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to tell the truth. Um, we've talked about that Enneagram test a little bit on the previous episode. Yeah. Um, so you are like my daughter, Ellie, who was on the last episode, and Lauren, who is Stacy's husband. Um, an eight. An eight. And just mm-hmm. direct and a little bit more logical than emotional, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. Or at least you're not going to share with us your emotions. Correct. <laughs> she shares with me, though. I do yeah. share. I, I know have, her emotions. I have my people. Yeah. Nines need to know that that they... Or not nine, nines. Eights Eight. need yeah. to know that, like, I can handle... Like, yes. that they, yes. somebody can handle the emotion. I feel Absolutely. like fours can handle the heavy, like, crap. And so I think that's why we can, like... Balance, we balance yeah, each other for out sure. I, she for knows sure. I can handle it. It's not going to break me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though I might show or I might feel like I'm more of a, like, I have, I don't have a filter in a different way. I have like no filter. And so it's like, what you see is really what's happening, but I can't like hold back. 
But in a way, but you're, it's both, like, you're both two of the more honest people I know. So mm-hmm. Hannah, you might not share with me your deepest like insecurity, but I feel like you're not as honest. You're yeah. not a, you're mm-hmm. not ever going to give me a line. Like you're gonna no, be no, 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 yeah. Honest with me. And Lindsay, on the flip side, you're honest and like you couldn't hold back your emotion if you tried. Yeah. Like if you're not doing well, it's yes, it's going to yeah. be obvious. So yeah, it's refreshing for me to be both of your friends because I, I feel like I could totally be myself with both of you. Yes, mm-hmm. even though you're. So so different from yeah. No. And I don't know you guys as well as Emily knows you, but from the get-go, I have thought, I really want to be their friend. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Totally. Thanks a ton for listening along on today's episode. Hey, we'd love to hear what you thought about it. Give us some feedback. Jump on our Instagram or Facebook and tell us what you thought of today's episode. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at What's It Like with Stacy and Emily. Please follow along and share it with your friends. If you give a little shout out to your friends, we would super appreciate it. It'll help people find us. Also, on we're on iTunes and Google and even Spotify. So subscribe to us there. And if you would be up for leaving us an awesome review, tell people how awesome you think Stacy and I are. We would love it. It helps people find our podcast more easily. Also, if you know somebody whose story that we should share that would help us feel more connected to each other, please email us. We're at what's it like with Stacy and Emily at Gmail. There's no apostrophe. So it's just what's it like with Stacy and Emily at Gmail. So find us on social media. Give us your feedback. Tell us what you thought of today's podcast and we will see you here next week.